With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, Y Whales. Uh, you guys on the other side of the planet have convinced me that I need to get up at three in the morning to uh, to do podcasts. So here we go. So uh, I'm Jay Steinbeck uh, here with uh, my buddy Stefan Goss, uh, and we're with Bet You who uh, would love to be on one of our fireside chats, but uh, the, the time zones are a little uh, exclusive for them. Uh, so I'd like to introduce these two guys or let them introduce themselves, uh, and then we'll kind of dive on into it. Paul, you want to start? Appreciate it. Yeah, my name is Paul Rogash. I'm the founder and CEO of BetU. We're launching uh, two exciting platforms. One, BetU Fantasy, which, come, which is launching in two weeks, which is a just a game where people can make fantasy bets on sport and esport events and win real crypto prizes. And then later on in the year, we're launching BetU, which is a, a sports and esports betting platform. So one's a game and then one's actually a gambling platform. So we're launching the two uh, platforms this year. We're really excited about over you, Scotty. Great. My name's Scott Parry, CFO for BetU. I've been playing around with Paul in crypto for since 2017. Uh, we've been uh, had some peaks, had some troughs, uh, learned a lot along the way, and yeah, super excited to get this platform out uh, into the hands of people globally. Some unbelievable prizes on the BetU Fantasy for anyone who holds a BetU token, uh, and then from there the um, the gambling license coming through uh, for the big hitters. Okay, so so there's there's a lot going on here, and you guys are really you know trailblazing because again, I, I I we are huge blockchain technology people. We believe it all should be in transparency. It's the right way for you know, um, especially something like sports betting. Um, but government and everyone else who you know, <laughs> needless to say, we know their opinions of this. Um, but but so talk, just give us the kind of high level of of where you know you guys got the ideas from, um, and then it, the implementation structure so far. Well, so the the idea came when we're just discussing actual sports betting, and to me, it made a lot of sense to have a cryptocurrency to use it because if you've got someone, especially peer to peer, if you have someone say in Germany and Hong Kong who want to have a bet together, for example, to have you usually would have to do all the, the foreign exchange, whereas to actually have a generic currency makes a lot of sense, and then obviously you can use blockchain to upload the bet details, etc. Um, and so that's sort of where it come about. And I originally thought there must have been a lot of companies who have done it before, but there's really been no one who's done it and no one who's done it well. Um, so that's where the, the concept came. Uh, I've got a lot of friends who are, you know, at very high level in some of the big uh, sports books around the world. Um, and after discussions with them, we moved forward with it. And the Bet You Fantasy came about because... It was sort of a, a surprise to me. I've been in marketing of some crypto projects over the last 12 months, but a few of the influencers I reached out to said they didn't want to promote a, a gambling platform, which was a very big surprise thinking that a lot of the crypto projects that they yeah. promoted to me were uh, a complete gamble. <laughs> so in any case, I, was, I thought, and it, based off the popularity of the play to earn, which has really just taken off, like with Axie and these sort of things, and giving a lot of people an opportunity in countries or from places that they can't afford to lose or don't like to lose. So the, the game, 
will actually give people the, the fun and enjoyment of sports betting without any risk. And so it sort of kills a few birds for us. One is it's all inclusive. With the, when we launch the betting platform, we need to geo-block certain jurisdictions with our initial license. But with the gaming platform, it'll be worldwide. Everyone can play, and they just need to hold one BetU token to play. So we feel like we can just get a massive support of people behind BetU. So we can tap our initial league, say we're launching in two weeks with um, BetU Fantasy is the English Premier League. So we tap into all that audience. And then we'll roll out an NBA league, then a UFC league, then get into like Fortnite and Counter-Strike. So we can really tap into audiences that the average crypto can't really tap into or it doesn't make sense to tap into it. You know what I mean? Like with, say, Crypto.com recently sponsored the UFC with the, with the, um, the, the T-shirt sponsorship um, where it, it, it's not completely relevant to them, whereas sport and eSport is everything we're doing. So in terms of promotion... There's so much exciting things we can do moving forward. Um, we already had a few of the UFC fighters tweet about BetU the other week um, and looking to work with a lot of sports people moving forward and especially e-gamers. And obviously e-gamers are already in the crypto space. So, yeah, that's a basic uh, overview of what we're trying to do. So, so and, and uh, basically as we get around, you've got, you've got the fantasy side and then you've got the real betting side. And the fantasy side, it, just again for my own clarity, is designed for um, it, it, the the fantasy leagues uh, in, in our in, in my realm of the world that would be uh, football American, um, you know. So for for soccer and for the normal like NFL football, um, the mixed up leagues, you know, kind of the, the fantasy drafts that they all do, and then the sporting is actually on the real games. Um, well, and, not exactly, Jay. So the okay. the actual fantasy side is still based off the real sport and the real sport events. And you don't choose your team or anything like that. Basically, you get a thousand fantasy tokens at the start of the week, and and we have the markets. So, say if it's okay. the NFL markets, um, the the sides playing against each other, and then you might have you know win loss draw, whatever the spread, the different. We'll have the different markets, but you you invest your thousand or bet your fantasy bet your thousand tokens, however you want. Whoever accumulates the most at the end of the week, they win real crypto prizes. So there's actually no so risk. You can put on multi-bets. You can go from this team into that team and have a lot of fun with it, but there's no risk. So at the end of the week, if you didn't perform well, if you you know you lost your 1,000 fantasy tokens, next week you start again. You get 1,000 fantasy tokens. And then, um, yeah, but the winners will have different global, global winners and we'll have continental winners. And we're also going to um, integrate with Chainlink's random generator where – even if you say for myself, I'm not actually a good punter, so I'll probably win these, uh, win the fantasy results. But we're going to basically give out random prizes every week, so everyone at least has a chance. As long as you put on a bet, even if you lost, you've got a chance to win. But okay, so it's that, traditional that betting based. It's not. It's not fantasy football based. So to me, fantasy football again is more to J. Like you pick your team and then you get score based on touchdowns, etc. So this is just straight up betting. One is with real money and one is effectively with fantasy money. So that that's really the differentiation between the two platforms. Correct. Exactly. The other- so that that's the, that's the difference on the uh, betting license, the gambling license versus just the game. That's it. Yeah, you've got a lot of people around the world who don't live in as fortunate countries as us where um, for them the ability to actually earn a decent prize pool, um, and they, the prize are up, upwards of $10,000 a week. And so for these guys in those sort of um, third world countries where they just love their sport and obviously don't have the um, sort of 
pocket to be able to uh, bet severely to, to make a big impact. They can just play for free. Um, and if they're very good at their craft, they could uh, be winning swags and money uh, each and every week and obviously telling their friends and we're thinking of viral opportunities for this to be passed around friends groups, especially um, of those millennials where they don't have a huge amount of bank, but they do love their esports. Um, they can certainly win some money and, uh, and have fun doing it. So th there's, I mean, <clears throat> all right, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out now which direction to take this this one in. So two, are they two different apps? Are they two different platforms or you're just, you're bet you and there's two different ways to hop into it. I'm just, we're, so we're the business side of things. So that's why we're really interested in how you guys are implementing this. Yeah. So they're both, they'll both be run off the bet you token, but there's, they're completely separate platforms. So betyoufantasy.com. There's absolutely no real gambling. It's just a game. There's no promotion of gambling or anything like that. It's just a game. But we give out real rewards every week. And then there's the betu.io, which will be the gambling platform, um, which initially will will go with the Curacao license, which will have some restrictions in, um, say, America, for example. That would be GeoBlock, which is another reason for the fantasy platform. So we can have a platform that, bet, that uses betu token, which is all-inclusive. Whereas the until we obtain certain licenses, and even in America, you know, there's still certain states. It's only about twenty odd that have legalized it, so you'd still need to be in certain states. But you have to do that state by state basis. So, yeah, there's two completely separate platforms. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let Stefan kind of dig into the technical side of things because that's I mean, Binance, um, you know, is is you know you chose Binance, but where, where's your where's your technical team? What do you you know how'd you build this out, and how long you've been working on it? As I mentioned before, so Graham Malone's our CPO. He's out of um, Zurich in Switzerland, same as Stefan or near to Stefan. Our uh, full technical team, we partnered with SodaTech, who are out of Vietnam, who are the, we're basically the preeminent blockchain development firm in Southeast Asia. Um, built out VCC Crypto Exchange, did a lot of work for Travala, the travel booking site, uh, Soda Finance, NFT Marketplace. They've got a huge... Um, huge amount of case studies in the blockchain world and they've been awesome to work with. So we started the development in um, in June and we'll release Fantasy in two weeks. And then the betting platform, the, the infrastructure is very similar. So we, we're tied, integrated with BetRadar or SportRadar, which is one of the biggest um, sports bookmaking services in the world. And they provide all the odds feeds, match feeds, results, etc. So... And they can, and when we actually launch the betting platform, they actually manage all the risk and stuff as well. So they pretty much it's a turnkey profit. You just bring in the clients. Um, and we're doing different things with the token. I'm not sure we can dig into that in a little bit. But in terms of we're not purely profit-driven like a traditional sports book because everything to do with our platform is to do with the token. So obviously as a company, we can generate funds with the token. So percentage of our all bets um, or winnings are, are burnt. Um, percentage will go to fund the game. Percentage uh, will actually go to charity to help support people who have been impacted by gambling addiction. Hey, question on that. So do you, um, for for the, the, the paid betting, do you make the odds? Who make, You said you have an odds feed. Like, can people lay their own odds? Because I was checking out that website. I mean, that seems really cool that you're effectively disintermediating the sports books industry themselves if you can really take over the odd making. There's the bookmaker side and then there's the peer-to-peer -peer side. So we're originally going to launch just the peer-to-peer -peer side. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Betfair, but it's one of the leading um, book book makers, I guess, or like peer-to-peer -peer betting platforms in the world, especially in the UK and Australia. 
one of the issues they have is liquidity because with any sort of marketplace, you have to have, say, a buyer and a seller or, in this case, a bet maker and a bet taker. So by offering the bookmaker services, we're always going to have liquidity for people to come in and place a bet. Whatever the market is, we can always place a bet. And so then we'd have the peer-to-peer side. And the peer-to-peer, so we'll have, say, a set odd for, for an event. And then the peer-to-peer side could come in and beat our odds. So it should eventually, as we grow in demand, it'll actually have the best odds in the market. Betfair has the best odds because the, the peer-to-peer will always beat the bookmakers in terms of the odds because they won't have the margin. So by having them both in a, a single platform, it's quite revolutionary in that, and especially with the token as well. Um, there's no one who really integrates the bookmaker and peer-to-peer because all the big bookmakers make their, their profit in the margin. So us, by offering the bookmaker side, we have the margin built in but we don't care if the peer-to-peers come and beat us because we encourage that because it just helps the platform, whereas a bookmaker would have issue with it because they're not making the margin then. Yeah, and so you might have different odds on a certain game, so people might be attracted to bet on your on your site versus with a bookmaker because, A, they you take less margin, so it should be theoretically more profitable, and they might get different odds at least, better or worse, being different depending on which side you're on, obviously, but that, that's that's super cool. Well, with our feeds, with BetRadar, like BetRadar provides some of the biggest bookmakers in the world. So we'll always have a similar, our bookmaker odds will always be similar to the majors anyway. But then the peer-to-peer will come in and beat that. So yeah, we effectively should have some of the best odds in the market. Do you have like weird prop bets and all that stuff? Or are you sticking to more of the, the traditional stuff? Like it's the whatever, the yeah, coin no, flip, will, one of your bets, or are you stick more to games? Yeah, no, we will grow our, um, it, it will start off with a sort of a lower risk appetite as we, you know, <laughs> enter the market. And then as we grow, we'll offer more and more markets. We'll probably stay away from, you know, Russian ping pong and Chinese badminton and things. But, we'll, you know, the major, the major sports and the live betting and stuff. And that's where Bet Radar come in with their full risk um, management services where they basically decide which bets to take and whatever else, um, which markets, et cetera. And they're the Oracle then as well, correct? Sorry? Sorry, they're the, they're the Oracle. They effectively decide who actually won the game because getting that on-chain, you must have some sort of an Oracle there. Yeah, yeah. So they'll see. When we were originally going to do the peer-to-peer, it was actually we came up with the strategy um, because if so, eventually we'll have enable bets on absolutely any market and any event. It could be a local sports league. It could be you know, whatever random thing, as long as it's a public event. And then that's where we came up with a, stra- a strategy that where we'd have community referees and things where you would have an honesty reserve, etc. But it got a bit complex, especially initially, where we can just integrate with BetRadar and that, as you said, they work as the Oracle and they provide all the result feeds. So initially, we'll just stay to the major markets, as in, you know, the, the major events and, and the major betting markets, points spread and all that sort of stuff. And then eventually we'll open up to absolutely everything. But initially it's better just to stick with the major markets. And that's where the great majority of people bet anyway. Like that's where the big volume is. So the other thing was, you know, the opening it up, it's, although it's pretty cool and it'll be a lot of fun, it, it, there's a demand that is nowhere near as big as sticking to the major markets. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing that I find is really interesting is you, you're – saying that you want, are going from less than six months from concepts to going live in your beta. Is that correct? Yeah. That's 
incredibly fast and you guys are entrepreneurs uh, from multiple other businesses. And, and so that's a really, uh, you know, again, um, you know, speed to market is in this industry is huge. Um, how long you get, did you work on the concepts and everything prior to saying like, all right, let's build it? Not long, to be honest. I, um, I previously <laughs> built out a big uh, web platform, machinesales.com. So I have experience in that. Um, and with, with the team, was originally we'd planned to launch the betting platform in December when we first basically sat down and wrote the plan. Um, and then we'll fast track that till um, October, which has been awesome. But SodaTech are, are just an absolute first-rate business. Um, and partnering with them, we've got uh, currently we've got about 18 guys from SodaTech who are full-time with BetU. Um, and they've just been fabulous. I couldn't recommend them to anyone who's doing a blockchain. I couldn't recommend them highly enough um, so they've been awesome with that, and we can obviously scale up and scale down. Graham manages all the, the in terms of the actual product and things, but then they in, like implement it. But yeah, it has been really fast. But we we really, when I came up with the concept in um, in May, I realized we had to get into the market now. I, I believe I'm not sure about you guys, but my personal feeling is next year will probably um, be something similar to like 2018, where the market will correct for maybe a year or so, assuming the cycle continues. Uh, who knows, though? But that's where one thing is we do have another advantage over a lot of or pretty much every blockchain company is that no matter what the industry is doing, um, bull or bear or whatever, people are always going to bet and people are always going to be playing sport. So we have a huge advantage there um, and we wanted to get into the market as soon as possible. We sort of rushed through the public sale a little bit um, but I wanted to do that because we, so we could get into the market as soon as possible and capitalize on the, on the um, situation at the minute. How much do you guys raise? Like, what's your fundraising strategy? Because I'm super curious as to uh, seed, uh, public sale, etc. Yeah, so we didn't do any seed um, at all. Sorry, any um, VC investment at all. I was going to self-fund it until we did the, um, the, the public sale. And I was initially going to not even do a public sale so we actually launched the platform but then we would be missing these months already we're, we're at i think about seven or eight x of what we started we did get up to like 10 or 15 i think it was um i try not to check the price every minute ago mad but um the uh yeah so we did the did the public sale we raised about 1.8 million um in total it was all in in crypto so usdt btcf and bnb and we fell short. I was a little bit overconfident with the, the public sale, to be honest. I'd done a couple of previous marketing uh, projects before, and there was a lot of different whales like yourselves that had sort of expressed interest in getting on board. And so I was a little bit overconfident with the marketing of it. So it was a bit of a mistake on my behalf. But um, we certainly raised well enough to build out the platforms and get us going. So, yeah, we're in a really good position moving forward. How much did you raise? One point, it was like one point eight nine million USD. Yeah, USD. In our world, we try to just we only talk in crypto. You fiat is is kind of gone. So you know, our our platform runs uh, exclusively on cryptocurrencies. Um, our staff is paid in crypto. Our we pay you know as as many bills and everything else we can pay in crypto because it really once you live in that other world. Um, and and again, I completely agree with you. You know, the the there's always a winter coming. It's it's uh, 
It's, it's, uh, you know, the thing that always every day when there's that big red drop, you're like, is this it? Here we go again. Um, but, but what we're trying to do is understand that, that part of my personal thesis and Stefan is probably slightly different is crypto is very stable. And, and it, you know, it, you know exactly how many tokens for bet you you're going to issue you there. And if you go to sleep tonight, no matter what the market fiat wise does, you're going to have the exact same number of bet you tokens uh, that exist. And so, you know, the, the fiat side with all the regulations is what causes that that crazy, you know, upswing and downswing. Um, but when you kind of live on the other side of that that plane, it's very calm and peaceful. Um, you know, uh, ETH is ETH and, and BTC is BTC and, you know, whatever you can do to acquire more is just going to help you out in the, in the long run. Um, there may be, maybe some years you don't want to put it back into fiat for, for obvious reasons. Um, but, but to me, yeah, to me, the, your entire concept and, and more than anything else that I'm fascinated with is now we've got from concept to the start of building in about a month and you're less than six months into going to launch. Um, and you've done other companies before. This is fast. I mean, that's really fast to be going. Um, and then, and then the, or to even just raise 1.8 million um, for most people is is really a, a, a huge win as well. Yeah, it's all it's all happening quick. I was just going to say, sorry, I sort of cut you off halfway there when you were mentioning about the being on the other side of it. Is that's one of the things with the betting platform is. Everything is in BetU token. So eventually, you know, the odds and stuff is in BetU. Everything you put on, you don't put on a dollar fifty. You put on, you know, one BetU or five BetU or whatever your bet is. And so the there's not actually the we will have the fiat um, conversion in the platform because people need it, um, and especially initially. But in the future, we hope it doesn't get it sort of gets pushed away where it is just you know. The bet is 20 bet you tokens, whatever it is, and that, that's you paid out in bet you tokens. So that's not that um, always back and forth between fiat. And again, it makes a lot of sense, especially on a peer-to-peer -peer side, to do that where you're just getting your bet you tokens. It doesn't matter what the, the fiat price is. But in uh, obviously in gambling, it's some people sort of been saying it's a bit like gambling squared because you are gambling a little bit on the token price and you're also gambling on the the outcome of the event. And theoretically, you could actually place a bet and lose, but still win in terms of fiat value <laughs> if if the price went up. But obviously, there's also the alternative if you were to if the market comes down. But in terms of moving fast, yeah. But we just had to, to capitalize on the on the market now to get into the crypto space and actually be on an exchange. Um, we actually wanted to move even faster in terms of a couple of the exchanges that I that already have a relationship with. Just wanted to see if you know a bit more volume and things. I was hoping to list straight on with some of the major exchanges, but yeah, it definitely is fast. But obviously, with gambling, and I've got as I said, I've got friends in the in the industry in um, the sports betting space. And if you can bring, if you as all you have to do is bring in the audience in the betting platform, and you're going to be making. Um, profit in terms of the sports because that's just how it works in terms of you have you have both sides of it and there's always a little margin in the minute in the middle uh, and then building the platform as I said like I've built peer-to-peer -peer marketplaces before so it's it's what we've done um, and yeah we're pretty excited about it most excited about the game to be honest because I feel like we can just tap into that huge audience I'm located in Bali um, and there's a lot of people in that do like the promotion of Axie and things and they have, you know, 30, 40,000 people in their group and they do scholarships to get people to play Axie. And so we can tap into all that audience so easily 
which is really exciting. Another thing which I think the community have really got a huge sort of mindset uh, benefit out of is when you're looking at an ICO of 1.8 million, uh, the good thing about that, a lot of people just thought, I'm just preloading my sports betting account. At, at the end of the day, that's a true utility token where I can actually use this token to make my bets. And if I'm going to be betting anyway, I might as well try and get some upside on the ICO. So a lot of people thought, well, hey, I'm just going to basically preload my betting account and I'm going to get some upside with the growth. And as Paul said, in the first month, I think we went 15 times in the first 30 days, uh, which was just parabolic. Uh, it's, it's good. It's sort of stabilised a little bit. But, yeah, for, for me, everyone's had a huge win already and uh, we, we're looking forward to getting the platform out. Hey, what are the tokenomics? Yeah, let's go through that. I was going to say you got a billion, billion tokens out there, correct? We just burnt uh, 77 million uh, from the unsold tokens from the um, public sale. So that went to community vote um, of how they wanted, what they wanted done with the unsold tokens. So there was um, percentage, 51% was burnt uh, just a few days ago. We actually, in Burning Man fashion, that's where Scott and I first uh, sort of came across cryptocurrency. We produced a video from actual Burning Man and um, instead of the man, I'm not sure if you've been to the festival, but where the man burns, we put the token and the fireworks were going off and just have a bit of fun with it, song behind it. So um, then there was also some voted for uh, customer acquisition to, for the use of the tokens. But in terms of the um, tokenomics, everything to do with the platform is with used with the BetU token. So all bets, betting rewards, Governance will be done with BetU, um, payouts, bonuses. And a lot of things, like one of the big um, drivers to sports betting companies is, you know, free bets or, you know, deposit this and get a bonus bet or whatever. And so that will be all done with the, with the token. So we have reserves for that. So there's enormous things we can do with the promotion of the coin, uh, which is really exciting. And, and as Scott mentioned, it is one of the tokens that probably a few tokens that you actually will use and and enjoy it as well you know you can have a lot of fun with it so education i mean that is going to be incredibly important for you guys because no matter how simplistic you make it um for that for that user and no matter how slick your app is you do have an extra step which is the understanding of, of cryptocurrencies which you know is is probably in the entire sporting community probably two percent of your of your clientele at this point yeah so you know how are you going to manage the the education side so people understand what a bet you token is how to get it um because you know it, it was funny stefan and i right before we got on i go oh I, I probably should go buy some of these bet use and i'm one of the anti-binance guys for you know my own religious reasons um, and I go, I don't have anything on Binance. I need to get something. So, so how are you going to help? And obviously liquidity is something that you have months to solve, but how are you going to, you know, uh, make sure that someone who says, I want to bet on this game, it's coming up. My buddy just said down with this app, how are you going to present that frustration barrier? Uh, to, to acquire your tokens. Yeah, it is a big barrier. I mean, especially like in such early days and when you're running around on the pancake swaps, et cetera, you're trying to tell friends and family get involved and then the actual concept of trying to walk them through the whole process on how to actually get funds onto um, an exchange like that. But as our exchange uh, quality increases, the accessibility increases, I mean, we just see that once you're onto the bigger exchanges, it's a lot easier on ramps and off ramps. And so um, Paul's a, a great educator. Um, he's very, very transparent and everything he does speaks a lot uh, at the common person in terms of basic English, spells everything out with a lot of use of videos, um, regular, regular updates. Uh, but, yeah, Paul, I mean, the, I think the education for us is something we, we're super aware of. 
um, and we want to get this to the masses. And it has to be simple because anytime it's complex, it scares people away and they're never going to proceed. We're, one of the biggest things, as you mentioned, Jay, is getting people into crypto in terms of our biggest market don't use crypto. You know, it's all fair. Even a lot of the, um, the football uh, Instagram accounts and things we reached out to and, and betting platforms and you talk about crypto and I said, oh, we don't use it. When, when you mentioned about paying in crypto, we obviously are the same. We try and pay as many suppliers in crypto and stuff and some of the promotional accounts for the NFL and stuff were like, oh, no, I'm not going to take crypto and all this, <laughs> so you're paying in, in fiat. But that's one of the going to be the biggest hurdles is, is the fiat on-ramps. We're working with a few different suppliers, which I won't name any names, but they've basically built out some platforms where you'll have instant settlement um, from, say, your, your debit or credit card or bank account, an instant settlement that we'll be able to do into BetU tokens. So that'll be a huge step for us in terms of making it easier. In, from in our platform already, we've built um, full swap functionality. So you can deposit BetU, BNB, USDT or ETH and then instantly swap it in and out of um, BetU. So... For the crypto people, we've made it easier where you can deposit the funds into into um, our platform and then swap. And we basically we make it instantaneous and we settle it on Pancake Swap in the back end, and that's where we fetch the um, the prices, etc. But in the future, the fiat on ramp is going to be what's going to differentiate whether we uh, you know we can take on the top players or whether we sit below them. And we need to make it as as simple as possible for on ramp for sure. Hey, is it custodial or non-custodial? As in, do I have to put the tokens into my account on your site or do I hold them in my wallet and then I interact with a uh, with an actual decentralized contract? Yeah, no, it's centralized. So we you do have to put them into, into our platform. And the reason we did that was, again, the, the ease of use because it just gets too complicated for the average person with the wallets, etc. It's already complicated as it is in terms of just crypto and getting people who aren't into crypto to use it so that yeah it is a it is an issue that we need to get around but that's um and if we think there was there was no way to bring bet you to the masses if we made it decentralized in my opinion where we want it to go sure to. so we need to make it as easy as possible um initially to get on and are the uh so when you're when i'm making a bet does it go into a smart contract that automatically pays out or does it also stay in a more centralized system like do i have full transparency as to the contract, et cetera, or is it uh, more on a centralized side for that? So it's centralized. All bet details are going to be uploaded on chain. And so we'll use different blockchains for that. I know what you mentioned, Jay, about how the BetU token is on Binance Smart Chain, but we'll use different chains um, and integrate with different chains for the actual betting details. So every peer-to-peer -peer bet would actually be uploaded onto chain. So it says who you bet for and what the odds were, et cetera. And especially when we open up the markets, then that's critical because we, if we have the, um, the honesty reserve and stuff, which we won't get into, but then people can referee it and there's no point in trying to cheat the system because it is on chain and everyone can see the bets. And it's also very, uh, in terms of being transparent with our betting volumes and all that sort of thing, um, yeah, all the bet details will be uploaded on chain. But in terms of the payouts and stuff, that'll be in a centralized manner. I'm assuming there's some sort of a fee structure. Does Do the fees accrue back to the token holders or do the fees, like how, how does that part work? Are you really using the token pretty much exclusively as a currency or is there an actual DAO type situation where 
part of the fee rewards, et cetera, are owned by the by the token holders. In terms of the fees, do you mean to like for uploading bet data and stuff or what sort of fees? No, I'm assuming to? you take some sort of a spread, right? Margin. Or someone assumingly somebody takes a spread slash margin. Does the margin accrue to the token holders or is it more on the that's more to the traditional yeah, so company the that, way that it takes works that? Is for, for the bookmaker side, we'll have the built-in margin. And um, so that might be, say, of, of, say, the true odds, we might have a 2.5% margin in there. Um, it will fluctuate on different sports and different events. Mm-hmm. But on the bookmaker side, 50% of our margin comes to fund operations of the company. 25% of the margin will be burnt, and 25% will go to fund Bet New Fantasy. On the peer-to-peer side, because we don't take any margin and there's no revenue for the company, we take a 1% winning fee. So if you, if you, it's only on the profit. So if you won the bet and you won $100, uh, bet you would take $1 as such or one bet you token. So, but, And of that, of the 1%, 50% would come to fund the operations of the company, 25% will burn, and 25% will go to help charity and people impacted by gambling addiction. So there's always going to be a decreasing supply um, with the burning of the tokens for every every time there's a winning bet, which as long as we can continue to increase the demand, then the reality is we should be... Um, so, so yeah, let's, talk, let's, let's dive a half a more second into the tokenomics. So you've got a billion max supply that you've said you're, you're putting out there. And this is now the fourth time I've heard you talk about burning tokens. So, so we're, you're, I mean, you, you've got uh, essentially, um, you know, right now at, at approximately 16 cents, don't look, I'm sure it's changed and uh, you've got where you want it to be. Um, I mean, you, you would like to see bet you have, you know, real, real value long term, like you've clearly studied this, you've been in crypto space for a while. So you understand the, the, the burning mechanisms, as well as, you know, a billion, uh, a billion market cap is, is, and is that a hard, hard cap? Or do you have the ability to open that back up? No, so we can't we can't produce any more tokens. So the billion is now the total is nine hundred ninety three million is the max the total supply. So yeah, we're definitely in it for the long term, and that's what's frustrating in terms of you know people see the price. You know, obviously we we went fifteen x pretty quickly out of the gate, and now now it's come back to um, seven or eight x or whatever it is. But it's you know we haven't even launched our platform yet, and we're you know, we're actually sort of five weeks old in terms of the token. I'm just like, come on, guys, give us a little bit of time. Like, that, that, that's why you need the. That's why I need some long staking uh, <laughs> measures. Yeah, so we are going to introduce the first year staking, just arming and ahhing in a lot of different ways to do it. That's where we'll try and do it fully decentralized with it. Um, but it's also I'm I'm quite against a lot of the. DeFi projects where you know you've got your 500 or a thousand percent APYs, and but then if you come in with say a reasonable APY, which is still high in my opinion, like say 20, 30, 40 percent, which is still really high, people are like oh it's not good enough, and so just trying to work out that balance. And, um, but yeah, in terms of long term, yeah for sure, and you know we'll just scratch the surface this year, and then um, by the end of next year we'll be absolutely flying, but it's you know we'll just keep evolving in terms of the markets like with fantasy we'll launch with the English Premier League and then we'll spend probably three or four weeks um, getting a lot of user data, what people are liking, how they're betting, um, what the fantasy bets I should say, and then we'll launch an NBA league and just keep improving the game on how they based off user feedback. So you know by I'd say early next year the game will basically be 
complete, I would say, in terms of exactly how it'll run moving forward. Um, but yeah, it's just the start, so it's uh, it's quite frustrating from my perspective, and I'm sure everyone else in the team. When it's you just get all those negative Nancys, you know, where it's just like, why is it down? It's like, well, you can't keep going up, and it's bad if you do, in my opinion, because. It's like the people come in early and some everyone's got different goals and objectives in crypto. You know, you could come in and you've made 10 times your money within within a month, which is awesome and good for you. But we're also looking at it, you know, I, I could easily see us being five ten dollars within 12 months. Um, and there's just the size of the industry that we're playing in and no one's, no one's done it well. Um, and in terms of the game, we can tap into audiences that no one else in crypto can. Which is, oh, they can. I'm sorry, but it's not as, it's not as relevant to their, to their say business as it is to ours. And you have some of the fan tokens and stuff like chillers. Um, but yeah, we're pumped about it. We just can't wait to get going. And in two short weeks, we'll have our first product. Which is then, and I'm also not a huge believer in like massively doing like mass marketing and the crypto marketing is expensive. The YouTubers are so overpriced for what they do and all this. So it's like, we're, we're, we're cheap. We're free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. So, uh, thank you. We appreciate hey, it. Hey, question. Yeah. So I, obviously you're bringing up a really interesting problem. If you do an early public sale, how come you went public sale instead of a VC fundraising round? I mean, that's lots of people, lots of projects go VC first to avoid the exact project you, uh, problem you just mentioned. How come you went uh, straight public sale instead of VCs? Well, I just thought that I, I wanted to reward everyone that, that got in early with us and as opposed to the VC route. Um, and I thought we'll try and bring in the VCs uh, if we needed it. But what we're actually looking at doing is, as opposed to, say, partnerships with VCs, what I think it makes more sense for us is partnerships with you know, leading sports management companies and, and even sports teams and other betting companies and things. So we're in, already in discussion with some really big names in both both sports management as well as betting companies who are really interested in what we're doing. And that was one of the reasons which I sort of touched on. I put out a video um, today just how we're going to push back. You Initially, we're going to launch the betting platform and then go straight into the gambling platform. But it makes a lot more sense for us to spread it out. We can learn from the game side of things and then we introduce those features because everything we're doing is we're trying to the because we're not purely profit driven and we have the token, we feel like we can significantly improve the user experience of traditional betting platforms, and we can also give a lot of data back to um, betters that they would have never have got with their existing platforms. But already we've got a lot of interest from um, big sports betting companies, and a few of the high level management are invested into BetU, which is awesome. So we'll sort of go that route. Um, rather than say the early VCs, and based off just building the platform, we didn't need um, you know tens of millions of dollars. So we feel that it was we wanted to reward the people that um, supported us as a as a company, and and so far that's what's happened. Awesome. What is your acquisition strategy? Because obviously that's going to be the the crucial part is bringing in as many uh, end users. Because I mean I totally agree with you that. This is going to be worth a lot if you have a lot of DAUs, basically. So, so what's the acquisition strategy there? So for BetU um, Fantasy, we'll do just an airdrop. Um, we'll start off with an airdrop with coin market cap of, say, like 100,000 users, where they'll just have to register on the platform and we'll give them the chance to, to win straight away. They're playing the game. Um, it's free to play. You can never lose that token. Um, it's theirs and they can play. So we feel, and then a referral basis off that. So to get... I feel with the game, we can get a huge amount of users 
um, pretty quickly off things, off, off activities like that, and also tapping into the the communities of say like FanDuel and DraftKings and these other fantasy games. And ours is quite different to theirs, um, so that a lot of them will be open to play. I'm not sure if you realise, but in terms of a strategy into um, actual gambling platform, FanDuel and DraftKings have about 80% share of the betting market in America, and both of them were based off a game. So there's already a proven strategy there to, to go, so it didn't make sense for us to roll out both platforms immediately. But, yeah, just a lot of incentives in terms of for the betting uh, – for, sorry, for the game in terms of just to get users, and then we believe that the, the fun of it will, will spread pretty quickly and we'll have referral bonuses. And the, the one bet you token to play is just a, as a token – to play is um, is just a small amount where they can we'll basically give them the first token so they can play a game, play the say the EPL league, and then if they want in the future to play in the NBA league or the UFC or Counter Strike league, then they can buy the other token. And you'll find the average person is not going to buy one that you token. Um, and then we have two different leagues, so we'll have uh, a major league and a minor league, or Division One and Division Two. And you have to hold more tokens to play in the in the major league. But then you also win, have the opportunity to win more money. Um, and in terms of the actual betting platform, there's a lot of different strategies in terms of affiliate marketing and affiliate websites. There's a lot of groups like uh, tipsters and punting clubs and things that we can tap into and offer incentives for the, for the people who run those organizations. And then have a lot of, like, as you said, we mentioned before, like the free bets or um, deposit this and get extra, but then they would have to, say, place a certain amount of bets on the platform before they would be able to pull that out. Just traditional strategies that sports books have used um, that have already shown the way, and we just can try and improve the user experience, um, and we feel it'll be a lot of referral business as well, and we'll incentivize um, people to refer friends and family. So, so one of the, the less sexy parts of crypto, um, and I'm curious to hear about this, is KYC. Hmm. What, 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 how are you guys managing that? Yeah, so with the, with the game, betting, bet you fantasy, there won't be any KYC. Um, so there's just because there's no gambling involved or anything like that, that'll just, it's just the game. So that will be there won't be any kyc on the gambling platform there'll be complete kyc so every user has to pass kyc before they can place a bet um it's a requirement of our license to do that we're partnered with on fido uh, they're our supplier for that who they, they one of the biggest in um identification verification uh so they'll do they did our um pre-sale as well or ico and so yeah before a user can place a bet they have to prove their identity um yeah so yeah, the kyc is a critical part of just our license data so no no I, I can imagine and then you incorporated where in the in the caymans so the so our um ico is out of bbi so the fundraising organization was out of virgin islands and then the initial um gaming company will be out of purisol because that's where we'll get our gaming license. And then we'll need to establish different corporations in different jurisdictions. So say in if, when we go for a license in America, we'll have to have a local American organization and things or corporations. So set up Yeah. Let me guess it's really easy to navigate those waters. <laughs> and I assume that's why it hasn't been done, because I feel that, you know, when you can set up a DeFi project, raise millions of dollars, and you can be anonymous and... Um, 
you know, just write some code and away it goes. I feel it's a lot easier than all these legals and stuff. We've got our, um, we're working with uh, Jamie Nettleton of Addison's in Sydney. He was recommended to us um, from one of the sports books in America. Said he's one of the best in the world. He's basically who's who of gambling law in terms of licensing. And so he's helping us navigate those uh, waters of um, gambling laws and things. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a challenge uh, and it's not as easy as um, a lot of other <laughs> things we could have gone down. But it's also exciting and it'll be worth the worth the effort. What did your lawyer think of crypto? What what I mean, was this his first you know endeavor into the crypto space? He didn't take payment in crypto. That's what he didn't do. <laughs> no, he did not. Oh. Um, I always, I'm always pleased when you ask, you know, a lot of people, when you say USDT is usually what I would say to them. Um, a lot of, I love it when they say, yeah, no worries. Whereas it's always a problem is like, what is that? And it's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, would, I wouldn't take Tether either. So he's, he's not wrong. <laughs> he uh, had some, um, a basic understanding of it. But at the minute, say in Australia, um, crypto isn't recognized from the gambling commission. But they are looking at it, which is exciting. Um, so when they do, then we'll have the opportunity. And every country is quite different. So the Curacao license basically gives us worldwide access, excluding um, the States, Netherlands, France, and then a few of the countries that are very strict on their own internal policies. And one is Australia. So we wouldn't allow people in Australia to use the um, betting platform until we have a Australian-specific license. So we need to do it each jurisdiction at a time. Um, but yeah, so every everyone's going to be different in terms of whether they accept crypto at this point in time. How come you went for um, a, the, with the Curacao company? Like, how what's the timeline on that? Like, how come? How long is it going to take? And how sure is it you're going to get it? So the Curacao company's already set up. So we would have submitted. Our initial plan was we we're going to sit, submit for the gambling license last week. But we decided when we submit with the gambling license, what we have to do is we have to submit a demo platform to them and it'll take about a week from there. So we've already done all the documentation and everything um, that was required. And so that took you know a month or so to prepare all the documentation. And we're working with an agent that was recommended by the, um, the license issuer. So they've done it before and they're walking us through. But so we had to, um, we have to set bet you behind a, wall, a password protected wall and then once we release the plat once we get the license we have to geo block those countries i just mentioned such as usa and because we don't want to launch now it doesn't make sense for us to uh, like to get the license now because then all of our traffic is currently coming to bet you in terms of promotion mm -hmm. so we're going to delay that until um, December when we're actually ready to roll it out. So now the website can stay completely open um, without having any geo blocks or anything. Because in terms of, obviously right now we're promoting the token and we're promoting the game. So when if someone comes from say CoinGecko or CoinMarketCap and they're from America and they see you know a geo block or whatever, you know, we, this already, what is there, 10,000 or 11,000 projects we're competing with. So to block our site, would just be, I think it is a, a really step back in terms of um, the immediate future. For sure, when we have the platform ready to go, it's something we have to do. But we'd also have fantasy. We're also working with them to potentially do a subdomain and things, and it's something they haven't allowed before, but they're potentially open to it where we can keep betu.io open as a promotional tool for the token. 
But then the, the betting platform would save it on a subdomain like bet.betmove.io or something like that. But we're going back and forth there. Um, but yeah, at this stage, so we, we don't have any, we're not concerned whatsoever about obtaining the Curacao license. In terms of um, gaming licenses worldwide, it's, it's probably the easiest one. Um, there's Kanawaki as well, um, a province in Canada uh, that is also easier to obtain. But there's, there's four options for us in Curacao, so it's not an issue. But because, and everyone in crypto, as soon as you say, you know, you're pushing something back, it's like, you know, what's happened, what's happened? <laughs> so we basically said there'll be no team tokens distributed um, whatsoever until we obtain the license. So just to give people the confidence in what we're doing. And, like, it's no rush for us anyway in terms of, you know, I think everyone on the team's in it for the long term. Um, I don't feel anyone's trying to cash out, you know, right at this instant anyway. So it's just... Uh, <laughs> that would be the worst bet ever. Yeah. First 30 days, team cashes out. Why do you need to geo-block if you're doing KYC? Why don't you just block based on the KYC, I guess? Because, I mean, obviously the geo-blocks are super easily circumvented via VPN, but why not just use the KYC data? Uh, just the license obligation. Oh, so it's both. But so if I'm American and I VPN in and KYC as an American, I'm still stuck not being able to use the platform. Yeah, correct. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was wondering. Okay, so it's just the geo block is just a straight up licensing requirement. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. And that's another reason why fantasy, I feel, is just so critical for us. So although you wouldn't be able to bet on the betting platform, you know, say within the next six months or 12 months until we obtain individual licenses in an American state, however long that's going to take us, you'll still be able to use the game, which so you still can still have fun and use the platform. Um, and as I said, it's, there's no real gambling, so it's just a game. And we feel that that way now it's fully inclusive. Beforehand, it was going to be like, well, if you're in America... You're not going to be able to use it, and so sure, there's an in you still might hold bet you token for the for the uh, opportunity to make gains in the token price. But we want people to be interactive with the whole platform and the whole ecosystem, and that's where the game is so critical, in my opinion. So, so in your in your uh, white paper, you have you refer to uh, whale holders pay no winning fees. Um, what what size do we need to be to be a whale? So we had it. We had it set at a million tokens, but that was obviously initially. So we'll, we'll we'll adjust it based off the price of the token. So the the winning fees applies to, and we'll have different incentives too with the whale holder benefits, um, where you'll have say the no winning fee on peer to peer bets, but also maybe like odds boosts and things like that if you hold say. And we'll, we'll change it based off you know if, if bet use a dollar we're not going to make someone have a million tokens for example so you haven't been to be Vegas awesome. in a few minutes yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so we'll just do a lot of different incentives for that we're actually um, talk, talking about uh, the um, accepting crypto and and different use cases for it is I'm currently in negotiation for a, a property in in Bali which we want to um, we want to purchase and then reward both whale holders and also um, the, our biggest bettors and our best players and things so they could actually come to Bali and have a free holiday, enjoy themselves, and it'd be comp so they would just come and stay at the, the Bet You house. I think it's just an awesome incentives, as um, you're probably aware in like sports betting, in terms of like VIPs and looking after the biggest bettors and stuff, it's a crucial element to the business. And like VIP hosts and stuff are just 
business relationship managers where say like a casino is obviously flies people in and they stay at the casino, they get certain amount of shows and all that sort of stuff. So we need to be able to come up with ways to reward um, our most important clients and that's something we want to do. But yeah, so the, the back to your question about the whale holder benefits, we'll adjust it um, based off demand and where people are at and the price of the token. So that will change. In What's your current staff size now as you're building and where do you project that you're going to need to be within six months of your launch? So we've currently got 25 people um, on the team. And then is that is that decentralized, meaning anywhere in the world or do you have an actual bet you office? Yeah, no, we don't have a bet you office at all. So everyone, especially with Corona, when we started, it, it's sort of a bit pointless to be honest. Um <laughs> I'd love it if it changes in the future. I'd love everyone. I've been trying to get Scott over to Bali and I know I was trying to get Graham back to Bali and have like a central office here where all the team, um, Leo's currently in France. He's coming back to Bali soon, which is awesome. Our Vietnamese team will obviously stay in uh, Vietnam. But in the future, I feel like we're, we're doing current recruiting for customer service at the minute. Um, business development's important. Uh, affiliate marketers is another one. Um, VIP managers and stuff and relationship managers, all that sort of thing. The customer service is obviously going to be an important thing and what you've mentioned before about the education. So in terms of predicting numbers, it's a lot's going to be based off how how well we actually grow. We also want to get a, um, a gun esports marketer. We really want to tap into that audience in terms of like Twitch and, and the different esports and the leagues and things. So we're really looking for someone who's just an absolute gun in that space um, but in terms of a headcount, it's difficult to say. It really depends on how successful we are in uh, when we launch. So with so with e gaming, and and I I think that that's your you know kind of diamond in the rough. That that if you can crack that nut and and have you know bet you be the currency with the referees that you're talking about um, would be huge. So so you're but you're thinking that there's you know. Um, Two people want to play Fortnite against each other. There's a third party there that acts as a referee, and obviously you can do some on-chain things to determine what happened, what didn't. But but that's that's still kind of a stretch goal because that's going to take a while to build out beyond because you don't have a feed for that stuff, correct? Yeah. Well, so the way the referee, so for if we have an oracle for the, and that's where Bet Radar is so critical for us, and we're just actually the like all those integrations and stuff are all complete so we pull all the data and the odds and the matches and currently they have an esport offering um but we, if we were opening it up to to the situation you just suggested as long as the event's public what the strategy was is if if two people are having a bet and they they would have to have a 30 percent honesty reserve in addition to the the amount that they wanted to bet and then at the end of an event if someone if someone tries to cheat so if, if you basically, basically it's an honesty system. So you would say whether you won or you lost. If, if you won, you're never going to say you lost. But if you tried to cheat, cheat, you might say you won. And then it would go to a referee. But then the referees, basically the three referees, would have to be unanimous decision. And that's where, again, we'd be tied in with uh, Chainlink, where they would randomly choose the referees. The referees would also have to hold some tokens for the ability to earn revenue. And the referees would earn revenue because... When the, the cheater gets found out, that 30% honesty reserve would get distributed to the referees. So there's the penalty similar to like, you know, a Bitcoin miner who tries to cheat the system, they get penalized from the electricity. Whereas this, they would have to stake the extra 30% as an honesty fee. But yeah, that is down the track. And again, it's, it's, uh, 
it's a, still a huge market we can tap into, but it's still nothing compared to the major sports market. And it's where we want to go. Like, obviously, there's a, we always run that risk when you're starting a business and there's always new ideas. Also, looking at, like, a full interactive casino, like, into, like, Decentraland space where you'd come into the casino as, like, a game. You're walking around, you can go to a show, you can go go sit at the sports book and play, or you can go to the poker tables and play, and there's, like, real interaction. You can go to the bar and have a drink or walk around, and potentially that could be sponsored by, like, the Wynn Casino or something. Like, there's so many ways we can take this and have a lot of fun with it, but we need to do, you know, a few things really well first. A little bit of focus. I'm, I'm going to also, yeah. as we're getting ready to wrap up here, you know, if there's anything else you guys want to mention and, and I'd like to commend you both on you've gone almost an hour and no one on this call has mentioned NFTs. Um, so that's, that's a huge win overall. So congrats on that. Well, can I just mention NFTs then? <laughs> yeah. We're, how's your NFT platform rolling out? We're, we're, you know, come on. That's, that's the big hot buzzword. Praise. We thought part of that you fantasy, you get the rewards. And we thought as when you when you win a week, you would get the BetU tokens. But we're also getting together some of the Bali models. Obviously, our audience is mostly guys in terms of sports betting. So there'd be a girl who'll come out and like give you you know a little congratulatory message or whatever it is, and then that would be as an NFT. So we distribute it to their wallet and stuff. So they were definitely not doing an NFT marketplace, but uh, that was just something we thought <laughs> as a fun reward and just to be in the whole crypto craze. It's uh, be worth doing. It, that goes into the our, the whole uh, pomp proof of membership protocol, uh, you know, type thing. So it's actually very cool to have something that says that we win. But but as I said, is there anything else, uh, Stefan, that that we missed, or or uh, Paul or Scott, you guys wanted to throw in uh, before we end here? I would just say I'd love you, your whole community to come and jump on board fantasy in two weeks and and play and give your feedback and hopefully win some bet you tokens and. If any of your community has any questions, then feel free to reach out to Scott or myself. We're very accessible and happy to answer any questions. And, yeah, it's just the very start of our journey, and we have a long road ahead, and it's, uh, it's a very exciting one. So, so two weeks from now, uh, it's about the 22nd or towards the end of the month. We'd love to have you on our, our big fireside where there's a whole bunch of people um, and we can harass, uh, lots of people can harass you guys um, and even do some demos and, and go forward. So we'd love to have you. Um, this is, like I said, our first one um, that we've done is a recording. Uh, so we appreciate you guys uh, being our guinea pigs and hopefully it was a good experience. Stefan, do you have any uh, anything else? I don't think so. That was great. Thank you guys. That was fun. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWhales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.